Welcome to Therapy is Dope with Alicia and Julie. Let's make self-help fun again. But no, seriously, laughter is the best medicine. Come and join us as we introduce new ways of thinking and being. And hopefully get you laughing along the way. What's up? What's up? We hello, made hello. it back. <laughs> Hope everybody had a lovely week. Julie and I today are going to rock your socks off talking about car conversations. We're trying to say at the same time. I don't think our timing wasn't the best. We need a and our harmony, my harmony. I need work on that. La 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 la. Hard conversations. I made a post. Uh, on instagram this week that said okay out in the dating world people make you feel like you're crazy for wanting to have hard conversations at least that seems to be a trend and so i just kind of wrote like you're not crazy for wanting to have hard conversations that's called communication (laughs) yeah that's true people just don't really like to communicate because hard conversations are uncomfortable and unpredictable it's hard to know how a person's going to respond so most of the time people just like to avoid it altogether is that really what it is like they don't want to hurt the other person they don't they have no idea what uh they have no control over it um i know there's just too much in the unknown i guess it depends on what kind of hard conversation you're gonna have with someone uh but i do think the unknown is a part of it i in the dating world i definitely think that's a big part of it because when you have to reject someone, even if you do it in the absolute nicest way, people have terrible reactions to that. And I'm saying people because both men and women can have terrible reactions to feel to feeling rejected. So um, I think that's a big part of the reason why people avoid those conversations altogether. But there's so many other kinds of hard conversations I think people are afraid that someone will get mad. I think they're afraid, you know, we were talking about work earlier, maybe like being afraid someone's going to quit. <laughs> or maybe. You, yeah. You think it just basically just has no control over the other person because yeah. when you, Oh, or, or it might actually trigger something within yourself, like the whole people pleasing, you might hurt the person you might win. And it might be just all in our head. Um, and I, I feel like hard conversations, uh, let's even break it down in categories. Like what about hard conversation when you're dating, hard conversation at work, or con- hard conversation with your parents or a family member? Okay. Um, I don't think that either one of those are easier or harder to have. Uh, so so what are, are we afraid of the same thing in all different categories i don't know i mean all right let's answer it for ourselves okay so if i were afraid to have a a conversation with a family member i'm 100 percent sure that it would be because i'm worried that they're going to be mad and it's going to turn into an argument and i don't want to have that uh or deal with the fallout of all that if i'm afraid of having a conversation at work I think maybe I'd be worried that I would hurt their feelings and that they wouldn't want to keep working with me, maybe. Uh, In a romantic situation, I don't know that I've ever, like, been afraid of someone's reaction, but also... I don't think I've ever like told someone a harsh truth when I'm trying to end the relationship. I think I do things very gently. (laughs) So So are you good at breaking up? I'm good at gentle deliveries. The problem is for me, gentle doesn't always sink in for people. (laughs) Mm. And so 
I have found that sometimes uh, I'm not clear enough with people. Yeah. If I was going to break it down with myself, let's start with the family one. I would be afraid. I wouldn't have a hard conversation with my, I guess, my cousins, because I feel like we're, we're, we don't have that much resentment built up. But let's say with the person that's I'm sensitive with my sister, right? So we have a lot of resentment built up towards each other. If I had a hard conversation with her, what I would be afraid of would be her um, volatile reaction. Like I wouldn't know if she would take it okay or if she would, if I'm just wasting my time telling her something that she's just going to blow up and then I'm going to get mad and then we're both going to scream each other and it's going to hurt our relationship. And then there's no progress. Yeah, it's not productive. I'm okay with having a hard conversation, going through those emotions, if there's progress at the end. But if, if I know that there might not be, I don't know if it's worth having it. Like with my, you know, with that family member. I can, at I work, can agree with that for sure. Um, and then at work, I think those hard conversations is, is he going to quit or is she and he going to quit? Is he or she going to resent their job? And then make it harder for his and or her um, team members to work with that person or if they're going to bring be the bad apple in the barrel and just kind of start creating bad energy and bad culture in my company um so there's a lot those things it's very layered in that way yeah and relationship wise i i guess it would be when i had some more self-esteem issues it would be like a, a, you know rejection like would he leave me after this right mm -hmm. but now I love having hard conversations because it kind of unfold you know it, it it pulls back a layer um that because I, I stopped taking it per personally especially with my partner right now so if he told me something uh, or he reacted to something I don't get mad because I'm always interested in his reaction I'm like oh I wonder if this is going to trigger something that happened in his childhood whatever whatever that he you know stuff like that or like I wonder how this triggers him it's more curiosity than holding guard like, oh, let's see what he says. You know, it's, it's, I wonder what this conversation is going to bring out. That's so cool. What a cool perspective. I know with children, they say that that's what, like, that's what parents should do is just be curious instead of reactionary. Like, okay, whoa, wait a minute. Where is this emotion coming from? Like, what is this? What's, what's happening right now? Um, and I guess I never really thought about it in a romantic relationship, but that's a, that's a good point. And you're right that things aren't personal. They really aren't. They feel so personal. And sometimes oh. people even tell us they're personal. Like, oh my God, who was saying something to me the other day about uh, this woman let herself go and um, now her husband doesn't want to be with her. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not why he doesn't want to be with her. That is an excuse that people give, but that is not why he doesn't want to be with her. So people say personal things like, oh, well, you just let yourself go. So I'm not interested anymore. But it's deeper than I, that. No, I, I can't believe your husband said that you let yourself go. That talks about him not taking responsibility of his decision. Like you're mm. trying to blame her for letting her go. Oh, it didn't happen Get him. overnight. Get him, buddy. Julie. Get him. Yeah. That's going to happen overnight. Like all of a sudden there's a switch and goes, oh no, she let herself go. Next day I'm out. Yeah. No, bitch. Why about your death do us part? <laughs> let him have it, Julie. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, and there's I'm more okay. going I, on I, there. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm okay with, if you just recognize and say, we, we slowly became further and further apart with each other. We've slowly gotten different paths in our lives. We slow, you know, and take some accountability and say but also she did let her go but over the years i ignored it so that's a little accountability i ignored it i i kind of excused it i i wasn't around i didn't give her the support whatever it was and then she really you know gained 200 pounds whatever and i can understand you're not attracted to her anymore i guess that and maybe your dick doesn't work anymore right so it's like i i could understand that part but just at the end of the day you 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 played a role even though you don't think you did oh yeah and that that is uh not the the only reason that could be one of the reasons it could be part of the problem 
but it is not the only thing. And when people say stuff like that, it's just an excuse. But but my point is people say stuff like that. And so then it even feels more personal. Like, well, but they're saying it's me. They're saying oh. I'm the problem. And so it becomes even harder to separate like, uh, well, shit, am I the problem? <laughs> is it personal? Am I not this enough or that enough? Um, but but even in those situations, uh you cannot be the whole problem. There's there's other stuff going on, there's other stuff at play always. And like you're saying, if we're if he's having a reaction to me, it's probably links back to something he's been through. And that's mm-hmm. the truth. Even if let's say um uh, and I use this this example a lot. My sister is diabetic and she prefers to date someone who is cautious about their diet because if she's with someone who's not cautious about their diet, it's too easy for her to eat however she wants. And then that's not good for her diabetes. So when she's with people who are more health conscious, that encourages her to be health conscious. So is there something wrong with the skinny dude that she used to date who could eat whatever he wanted and just didn't care? No, there's nothing personally wrong with him for being like that. She just can't be with him. Yeah. So there's always something deeper going on. It's never personal. Yeah. And I I remember this guy that I used to date. And he, you know, very successful, funny guy, great, you know, really nice, all this stuff. But he had um, trauma in a relationship where it was really hard for him to get close to someone mm. and there was times when he was goes you know he would be like you're so perfect why can't I get my act together right and and uh then I would at that time I had lower self-esteem so I'd be like if I was if I really was perfect then he would choose me you know so uh... I made it first um even though he was telling me point blank you're perfect there's something wrong with me and it didn't matter what the person said you know and I just I just took it personally now I look back and I go Oh, yeah, nothing to do with me. I was an angel in that relationship. I was so nice to him. I was so patient, so amazing. And he just wasn't in the right place in life. You know, like he's not a terrible person. He just couldn't, he couldn't get past that trauma that he had. So, so I now I know. That's often the I- case. I think that's often the case that uh, people. When I tell people, like, first of all, if you have space from the situation, you can see it differently. And so thank God you can look back on that and be like, yeah, I was a freaking angel. What the hell was his problem? Um, And second, what I think we're all looking for is someone who can tolerate our flaws and we can tolerate their flaws. That's like the most simple, the simplified version of what we're looking for. And there are some people who just can't tolerate your flaws for whatever reason, like maybe your trauma triggers their trauma. And then the two of you together are like explosive and that's just not good. And that doesn't mean, and Esther Perel says this too, by the way, um, I was like, Esther Perel believes the same way that I do. And I didn't even read the book. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Love you. she said, you can be a different person in a different relationship. And I noticed that in my own life, there was one relationship I was in where I was super jealous and I'm not typically a jealous person. I typically don't really think about that. But in that relationship, I was super jealous all the time. And now that I have space from it, I can say I never really felt secure in that relationship. So everything Mm. made me jealous. Mm. Um, but I'm not the same person with someone else. I'm not just a jealous person. And there are people who are jealous people, but that wasn't me. That was just how I was in that relationship. I imagine that you've probably been a different person in different relationships too. Oh, absolutely. I look back and I go, there's some times... Man, I was in a relationship. I was so mean to this guy. Oh, I feel so bad. Like, I just, 
And then when we broke up, he was so he was just like cussing me out for like, you know, like days on it, maybe weeks on end, I think. Um, and I just let him because I was like, I was such a bitch to you. I deserve this, you know. <laughs> you know, I go, God, that was so mean. Um, but you know, other relationships, I was like, quote unquote, the angel, right? This perfect angel. And then in other relationships, I could see myself being jealous. And I, I was nodding when you're saying that story about how you are like, I'm not typically jealous. Um, I, I'm probably more jealous than you are. And, uh, but I'm not jealous all the time. Like I wouldn't be trying to look, I, I never looked through someone's phone or something like that. Right. Um, but there was a guy that I was like, so wanted to look this well, so because I didn't feel safe. I just didn't feel safe. And going back to our the topic of our episode, oh, sorry, we I, I try to, I remember I tried to have hard conversations with him. I tried to be like, what's wrong? Like, do you not want to be in this? You know, and like, whatever. He would either avoid it or he'd be like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. No, no, no. It's just me. No, 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 no. Like, whatever. Right? And, and do whatever to avoid it. And I think having hard conversations actually gets us out of those situations faster. Even if it might not feel good, it goes down to progress. Like, at least at the end of the hard conversation, there is... There is progress. There's steps made. Maybe not necessarily goal defined or anything, but at least there's some clarity. Yeah, I, I right. Yeah, I agree completely. I know sometimes I think people purposely avoid hard conversations. I've seen my clients do it in romantic situations in particular because they don't want to know the answer. They have a feeling that this isn't going where I want it to go. And I just want to hold on to it a little bit longer. So I don't want to have that hard conversation. And that's okay, I guess. Uh, because we have to do things when we feel ready. But uh, yeah, those conversations can get you out of there faster for sure. And I think yeah. the same thing with employees, you know, and maybe not family members because well, they're going to be your family member no matter what. <laughs> but with maybe. employees, I know uh, we had a situation where a person was late all the time and we were avoiding having the conversation because we were like, well, we kind of like everything else that's going on here. So we're just not going to address it. And that shit definitely bit us in the ass because uh I don't know, things just got really crazy one day when we were trying to have a, a productive conversation about what we were going to do moving forward. And the person quit and then started like saying sort of like threatening things to us. So we were like, oh my God, we should have had it documented that we had these issues to begin oh, with. Oh, right. So those conversations definitely are helpful long-term, I think. Yeah, actually that reminded me, I had an employee that would come in late and she was great, really great. And then I then I remember I it went really well because I think I came in as curious versus mad, which I was mad, but I was so busy that I was like, then I went, but why is she coming in late? And it, came, it hit me while I was driving one day. I went, but why is she coming in late? She really cares when she's here. She stays later to finish out her stuff. Um, and she really goes above and beyond in a lot of other ways. It's like, why is she coming in late? Hmm. So one day I literally asked her as she was coming in late. I went, hey, is it hard for you to come in late? Uh, come in on time? And she went, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm coming out. I said, no, no, I meant, is, is it just hard for you to? And then she didn't say anything. I said, I'm just wondering why you're coming in late. Maybe we could figure something out. I don't know. Because I really like you. I really like this, this, and this. I This is the only thing. But I don't actually mind that you come in late. I just don't want everybody else to be like, that's not fair. If she comes in late, then I could come in late. You know, I don't want it to be a domino effect. So I said, just, but what, whatever it is. And she goes, I need to drop off my son. And the school got, tra she got transferred from this school to this school. So now I have to go, you know, five, 10 minutes further down. It's only 10 minutes. So I tell myself, oh, I just need to wake up 10 more minutes. But she's like, and I can't get myself to wake up 10 more minutes. Like I, uh, I, I'm struggling and I go, oh, 
then why don't you put your start time 15 minutes later? And you, instead of coming in at seven, why don't you start time at 7.15? You come in, you don't change anything. You come in and you get here at 7.10. So you still have a few, like a couple of minutes to put your stuff away or whatever. And then you clock in right at 7.15. Then everybody thinks you're on time. And she goes, oh. So ever since then she did that, we we have never had an issue. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good for you for being curious. I really think that's a, a key component here. Trying to stay yeah. curious in conversations. What is this about for you? But you know what? I will say this. One of the things I have to tell my clients a lot of times is you can use all of the best communication skills with somebody and if the other person doesn't have the same kind of training, we'll call it, or maturity, whatever you want to say, to communicate back, a lot of times we we are disappointed in these conversations. So, for example, if you were to ask uh, the husband, let's say, we'll go back to the example we were talking about, who said that his wife let herself go. If you ask him what the problem is, He's telling you what he thinks the problem is, but he doesn't have the capacity to think deeper into the situation and actually give you the truth of what's going on. So in that case, you would have to try to like pull that out of them while mm. remaining in a, a in a state where you're not taking what he's saying personally. And that would be really hard to do solo, I think. Yeah, how do you do, how do you have, do you, can you prep yourself before a hard conversation and say, all right, he could act and then make a, make a list. Maybe. Okay. I'm just, I'm brainstorming here. Okay. I'm just spitting things out right now. So what if, if I'm like really nervous about a conversation, I go, okay, shit. Um, what, like, l let me just, let me just write down all the possible reactions he's going to have. And then I can circle things that are most likely going to happen. And then things that are like most fearful and then maybe, you know, like highlight, like, is it really possible? Is it really not possible? You know what I mean? And maybe someone could do that. Like, let's say, okay, I have, I'm having a conversation with my partner and he, and we actually had this conversation yesterday. He really wants me to be best friends with my sister, but I don't have much of a relationship with my sister. And I'm being very vulnerable right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he thinks, he just, has identity in his head that he thinks family should just be tight and close and everything. But he doesn't realize that we're very, we're just opposites when it comes to our characters. And so he, I felt in that conversation that throughout all the stories I've shared with him and how I feel abused and there's still raw feelings of abuse um, that I don't, I'm not in the place to even start a, that type of friendship with her. I wouldn't and, say that would be safe, but that's just a whole other. Yeah. Uh, and also that if he wants to marry me and he thinks he's my soulmate and everything, how come he doesn't see that, have my back and protect me from it instead of trying to put me, throw me in the fire, you know, and I didn't feel protected. I felt like, so it was a really, it ended up being a really hard conversation, but what helped was that he was like, okay, okay, where, where's, where are these feelings coming from? Where are these feelings coming from? So he wasn't taking it personally. He kept going, where's this feeling? Why are you feeling this? Why are you feeling this? So then I said, you know what? I just need to address this myself too. So in a piece of paper, I actually wrote down what, what's bothering me most about this. You know, like if I had to address it with her directly, why is it bothering me? So I, then I prioritized things that I think she would be, if I talked to her about it, what would freak me out? What wouldn't freak me out? What would piss me off? What would, you know, things like that. And, and, and most likely things would happen. After having all that, I actually feel way more calm, even if we didn't have that conversation. We still haven't had a conversation since yesterday. And it, but it calmed me down just doing it. Yeah. I, okay. I do think you can prep yourself to a degree. But because there are so many unknowns in a, a hard conversation, there's probably going to be curveballs thrown at you. And so probably the most prep that you could do is 
do everything you can to remain calm because the minute we get too upset, we can no longer think clearly and uh, operate from a productive place. So in couples therapy, for example, they suggest that you get a heart rate monitor for your finger and wear that during the couple session. And if your heart rate goes over a certain number, which ooh, I should know what it is, but I don't remember right this second, um, then you have to take a break. You can't continue the session because you are no longer capable of being rational when your heart rate goes too high. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. So uh, that's really the best thing you could do. And they actually say that we're poor predictors of when our heart rate is going up. So we oh, still yeah. think that we're being reasonable. When we're not. I, I'm very curious. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Humans are so funny. We're like, I know my body. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't realize that you could actually, um, you know, measure it that clearly. Yeah, that it was a uh, Dr. Dan Siegel, and I think they took his research in the book uh, Blink. I don't know if you ever heard of the book Blink. Yes. Uh, but he had like decoded. Well, he has decoded like human interaction and conversation essentially. And uh, he can predict with like 90 something percent accuracy whether or not a couple's going to make it. But he measures what? heart rate, he measures sweat, he measures uh, in inflections in your voice, he measures all kinds of things, not just the content of the conversation. Um, when you're fighting. Uh, it doesn't have to be a fight, but yeah, he normally has couples talk about like their last argument or something. And he measures all that. And then he goes, oh, you guys have a 90% chance of working out. Yeah. Oh he's my like, God. How you guys aren't going to make it. You guys are. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I could go through a test like that. Is there a test online you could do? Well, all or of the people... Yeah, all, well, it's not online, but all of the people that um, worked with him, he trained all of them on doing the same thing. But I think, again, I think you have to be like hooked up to the heart monitor and like the sweat thing and all of that. So he can measure all of those different parts of your biology. Okay, what if you were, can you learn to just do better in hard conversation, you know? Can, can you is that a plate can you just change that because okay if i if you ask me to do and i'm not being very articulate right now if you asked me in my early 20s to have a conversation i had yes last night uh with my partner in my 20s i would have been like dan siegel you're fit you know dan siegel would have been like nope you're not working out you know and and but because oh my I, god i said dan siegel it's john gottman my bad Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> um, stop. Dan Siegel's another <laughs> researcher that I like. Sorry. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about them later. Um, and and but now I think I'm a little bit better. So I think in any relationship I was in my 20s wouldn't have worked out. And you know I think there's. I would love to know the statistics. I have not looked this up and perhaps we should, but I would love to know how many relationships that start in people's twenties last. I would yeah. really, I would really be curious about those numbers. Not that I think age is a definite def def defining factor in a relationship, but I do think many people could say that their relationships in their twenties probably weren't long-term mm. material <laughs> no way my god but the problem is we all want long-term outcome and while we're not long-term material it's well that that may be what we think we want certainly i think it is what we think we want 
And, you know, I thought about this a lot with um, celebrities, especially celebrities that uh, make it when they're so young, like Justin Bieber and um, stuff like that. Because the main reason I think that we start thinking long term is because we're allowed to. Like once we turn 18, 20, 21, however, whatever age you consider yourself an adult, finish college, 23, whatever then we are like, oh, now I can do whatever I want. Now I can have a relationship that lasts forever. But I feel like young celebrities have that option also very young because they have a lot of freedom very young. But then again, I guess they probably have so many options being thrown at them that they're like, ah, I couldn't possibly choose now. Ah. I don't know. But some people are just made to, uh, some people maybe, it's not an age thing, right? It's like my sister was very mature at a young age, and she was able to have hard conversations at a young age. Um, And I remember she said she, you know, even went and tried to go to therapy for a little bit, wanted to talk through things, and and work things out. In my head, I went, what? Therapists are for crazy people. You know what I mean? Um. When I was in high school and college which I'm like so regretful. I was like, I wish I went through therapy too. Yeah. And yeah. But she was, you know, mature enough and aware enough that she felt like she needed it versus me didn't feel like I needed it, but really actually needed it. Well, you know, I have always considered myself a slow processor. And part of being a slow processor is uh, that it takes me a while to realize I might need something or might benefit from something or am capable even of doing things in a different way. And I think that's true for a lot of us, especially some things are harder for us to accept than others. So, okay. so, so let's say I am someone's boss, manager, or some type of you know, superior to this person. And I need to tell this person that their quality of work is not as great as it used to be. And that either I need to give them a warning or I just need to let them know, right? And I'm thinking, and this person at work is one of my best friends, right? Oh, my, my best friend at work. That's like this sneaky. person that I get along with, the person that we, we buy lunch for each other all the time. We just really click. And I have to tell her or him, doesn't matter, um, but sake of the story, I guess her, that I I need to give her a warning because my, my people, you know, are telling me, pressuring me to do it for her because her uh, numbers are not working out. What do I do to prepare myself so I don't take it personally? Like, what do I tell myself what I do beforehand so that I could, I could remain as calm as possible without bringing a heart rate monitor to our discussion. <laughs> I I did look it up, by the way, it's a hundred beats per minute. So anything over a hundred beats per minute is danger zone. Good to know. Uh, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like a broken record this week because the, the thing that I think would be the most helpful is doing some kind of meditation or hypnosis or affirmation before you go in the room. Like for me, that's the best preparation so that you can say, okay, I'm protecting my energy. I'm not going to let her words or, uh, or mood about this change my perception of myself because I know that I have to do this. I'm doing what I have to do and I'm going to do it in the best way possible, the most assertive, kind, gentle, whatever way possible. And uh, then I would, you know, if I had to choose a mantra or something, I might say like, uh, it's not personal, it's business or uh you're you're a boss this is part of being a boss you're a leader this is part of being a leader you know things like that so that I could sort of hype myself up and 
protect my and be prepared to protect myself from whatever it is the person's going to spit at me yeah and and also you could you you know the mantra to say like and she's my friend and I'm I'm you could reframe it by saying you know I'm helping her change her um you know the the top manager's uh, perception of her before it gets bad yeah or something right and then you could come in like a loving friend and this is for your own good kind of thing yeah be like hey by the way I don't want to do this you know but I also don't completely disagree like there's a couple of times when this happened and you didn't do this you know and that kind of slipped and then overall they they depend everything on the outcome so the outcome is we were short you know we were we're down three thousand dollars this week so it's like and our sales aren't as great so it's like uh I think that well, expl explanation piece is pretty big too because you don't owe anybody explanations but I think that it softens people up when you give them explanations and when people can understand why we're having to do this they're more receptive and for me and that's why I was anti-religion or at least like um organized religion I'm anti that because a lot of times it's it's because I said so it's like oh um it's because God said so you you can't have sex before marriage but why because God is gonna be mad at you are you going to hell? Why? Because it, because he is, because you are, because I am. I, 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 you know, because he said so, because she said so. I, I don't get that. And maybe because I'm a the real, real answer is herpes. You're herpes. Just oh, herpes. <laughs> you told me that. See, if I needed an explanation, maybe I wouldn't be having his, uh, sex in the streets like this. Oh, sex in the streets. Damn. <laughs> oh, God. I'm um, so. So I think that helps soften a hard conversation is to explain to them um, why, or actually also even being vulnerable and saying, I couldn't sleep last night. Like even in, in this example, I'm using with your, with your best friend um, uh, employee, right? And you go, I really had a hard time sleeping yes last night because I don't know how to bring this up because you're such a good friend to me and you mean so much to me and I'm afraid that you're going to build resentment towards me or like this is going to break the friendship um but I also have an obligation to my work and I also can't I don't disagree because the numbers say it so I'm just going to tell you blah 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 yeah versus you know versus hey your numbers aren't making it blah 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 go pick up your shit and da 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 you know whatever yeah right? yeah I think being vulnerable and being curious and saying, was last week hard for you? Like, was something, were you thinking about something? Was something messing up? Was like, can I help you for next week? You know, what whatever those things are, um, I think curiosity and explanation mm -hmm. makes every single hard conversation easier, whether it's romantic or platonic, um, work-related or not. I think having the basis of that, and also I, for me, I, I journal it out. I just journal journal out every possible, you know, uh, reaction, and the worst reaction could happen. And if you're prepared for the worst reaction, everything's easy in my head. If you can predict the worst, that's the only problem. Is that some things we are just bad at predicting? Like never in a million years would I have guessed it went this way, you know? And then we're like, ah, what do I do? Do a curveball um yeah so, i didn't know she was gonna call her entire family come to work and then beat me up <laughs> yeah oh shit wasn't prepared for that one yeah so there's some things i think we can't be prepared for but i think trying to you can always end a conversation too there was a conversation i was having with an employee once and she started yelling at me and i was getting really flustered because i was like oh my god like my employee has never yelled at me before. I don't know what to do. And I, I had a coworker beside me because I wanted someone to be witness to the conversation because I knew it was going to be hard. And she was like, get off the phone, get off the phone. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, you know, I don't think we can continue this conversation because right now I feel like you're yelling at me. So let's just take a break and we'll revisit in, in a few minutes. 
And so we took a break and I called my boss and I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do. She was just yelling at me. And we like strategized and I called her back and the lady was like, basically, you know, saying she didn't think she was yelling and whatever, but we finished up our conversation because both of us had a chance to cool down. <laughs> but, you know, there's some like in a work situation or a romantic situation, I don't think it's a good idea to avoid conversation. Uh, but I do think that sometimes there are some people well, it depends. In a romantic situation, if the person is abusive, always, if a person is abusive, you have to be careful. And in those situations, sometimes uh, we can't afford to be curious or vulnerable, and we can't afford to give them the opportunity to manipulate and twist. And in those situations, we either keep everything to writing and have witnesses or we just don't have those conversations because they're not going to be productive. And and I think you said that earlier in the conversation that if you know the conversation's not going to be productive, don't bother or keep it as short as you can because some people are really sick and there is no properly communicating with them. Mm. So aren't those not isn't that just not really having a hard conversation? If you're trying to have, let's say, you know, like a homeless person, right? Transient on the street that clearly is on drugs or has mental health issues. And you're asking them to move or something, right? Or anything. You're at, you you want to ask him to help you with your taxes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- th- there's a level of hard conversation you don't have on the level of capability they are you know you're not going to grab a kindergartner and ask them you know what should I do because mom and dad are fighting a lot we're thinking about divorce you know you're not going to do those things so so also you're not going to have a hard conversation with the abuse abuser you you can't really do that because people try though because they're like oh you know a lot of times really empathetic people in particular will say I know why they're behaving this way. And maybe you do, and maybe you're right. But being understanding of them is not going to spare you from the abuse. That's very true. And that should be a quote, my dear. But (laughs) it really, like, being empathetic, understanding why they do it doesn't justify them doing it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you can't, you you really, yeah, it's true. You can't really have a hard conversation with a person that's emotionally and mentally incapable of doing so because they'll end up gaslighting you or ignoring you and you'll never have that conversation anyway so if you want it for closure just remember people die and people still find closure right just mm-hmm. because that yeah just as because that person walked away like but i need closure and you create closure yeah you know because if let's say if my uh, god forbid right somebody close to me dies um, freak accident and I'm like oh there's all these questions that I wish were answered um he can't come back from the dead he or she can't come back from the dead be like hello Julie let's have those conversations right now it would really just be it's okay I, I need to find closure within myself so I think those moments of find closure within yourself is the healthiest way and and maybe your need for closure has something to do with your ego like you didn't want to lose or you didn't want to feel less than or you didn't maybe had nothing really to do with closure at all. Well, and I think a lot of times in closure, like for me anyway, I always wanted to know why, like, oh, what happened? Why? Why is this happening? And a lot of times people can't tell you. So you can ask the question, but people don't know the answer a lot of times. And I've had clients in that same scenario where they're like, why did you sleep with her? Why did you do that? And the, the other person's just like, I don't know, I messed up. And they don't, not everybody has the capacity to dig deep and give you the real vulnerable truth. But honestly, on that point too, sometimes you don't know at the moment. You're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so stupid. God, I wish I didn't do that. So stupid. I don't know. Yeah, and really, at the moment, may, they might not know. That's true. That's true. 
And, you know, sometimes it takes people a long time to figure it out. That whole slow processing thing. I won't claim that I'm a slow processor anymore. I've definitely revved up the whole whatever it takes to be a faster processor. <laughs> What's that called? I don't know. Um, but but some people are, it takes them a long time. They really, especially, you know what I think too? I have a hypothesis. I don't know if this is true, but I think people who like don't talk to anybody about what's going on with them, like even friends, they just like internally process everything. Mm -hmm. I would think that that, takes longer for them to figure out what's going on with themselves because it's just them trying to figure it out internally and it's just them with one perspective in life the same perspective in life so imagine you're just you're preaching the choir with everything and so there's no if there's no diversity in thought processes yeah it reminds me of those tiktoks when people like have different parts of themselves having a conversation <laughs> Yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> yes. It's funny. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can become a pro at hard conversations and still not make progress with certain people. And again, that's not personal. Maybe there's a goal. Maybe helping with the hard conversations, like what goal do you want? to get out of this right what do you want to get out of this and in this conversation what I want is I want this person basically I want this person to do what I want that person to do right mm -hmm. how I want to do it when I want to do it I want that person to do it that way or live this way or I don't know whatever react this way um and being realistic with the goal we can't control anybody like, mm -hmm. okay I can't control him her whatever fine why do I want to have this conversation so I could feel better? Okay. How would you feel better? I would feel better if she did this, if he did this. What if you can't get to that? What's the next goal? The next goal is to feel better. And then you kind of go in a circle. So it's kind of like, okay, what really is the goal? The goal is just to get clarity in it so that at least you know what you could do, right? Bring it back to yourself. What I could do about the situation so I can make myself feel better. Break up with him, continue the conversation, um, find interlining, whatever the, the, the issue is. And put, you know, empower yourself, bring the power back into your own hands. I like that. I saw this video where Oprah was talking about, uh, somebody asked her, how have you handled basically like being in a room with old white men all the time and she was like oh my god I love being in rooms with old white men she's like it's almost always me and old white men and she's like but I she was saying she empowers herself by thinking about her ancestors and people who have been very brave and wise and fought for freedom and worked their way up and she says she tries to like embody that mo motivation, I guess, or wisdom or whatever. And so she tries to like bring the power of her ancestors with her into those meetings. And I was like, what a cool way to think about things. So if you think about it, actually, that that's mm -hmm. really cool. It's so many different ways. Because imagine your ancestors or whoever the team you want to bring in you have a team of cheerleaders so you come in and you don't feel alone yeah right it's like alicia i'm gonna take you to everywhere i go so i just picture you behind me you know two pom-poms going go julie go julie you got I this. think if i had to picture like brene brown coming into a hard conversation with me that probably would inspire me to remain calm do you know what? I'm gonna do that too. That's true. What if our what if we could imagine people that we just, you know, like like yeah, people that we've never met but inspire us? Like if I brought Brene Brown with me, Esther Perel, Oprah, ah, Chase uh, uh was it Chelsea lately? Chelsea Handler. Oh, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler. Oh my god, she Sean would be Handler. a hilarious one to bring into a conversation. She would be, you know, she'd be like your your girl, you know, like stick it to her. Come on, go, Chelsea. 
<laughs> and then I had you and I had my parents. I had, you know, imagine I come in, I go, man, I have all these people right here with me. Let's go. Yeah. Your conversation would not, would actually be a lot easier. Dude, we should, we should really write a to-do list. Yes. Our conversation coming up. Number one, who is your cheerleading squad? Yes. Um, close your eyes. Go back to what you said. Meditate and picture them literally holding you up. Like yes. as you're as you're crowd surfing, dude, like that feeling of them carrying you up, right? And bringing you to the conversation. So they're walking you to conversation. Number one, that's your meditation, right? You've got your, your squad behind you. Number two, um, well, actually probably number one would probably write down everything that you could possibly imagine. Maybe the worst, 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 worst thing so that you could kind of look at it and be like, that's the worst thing? All right, I'll be ready for that. Then you get your squad on and you go, okay, my squad is going to help me get through this worst case scenario. Then you go in and then you put a goal down. You go, the goal is to, I don't know. Be curious, whatever the, explain, learn, yeah. resolve. All four of those all day long. <laughs> those are things. Then you just have the conversation. And maybe you're right. Maybe don't really have a goal. Like don't have a set point because you can't control the other person's reaction. So basically your goal is those general points of curi be curious, learn more about the situation, um, resolve any internal, you know, internal conflicts that you have um, and explain, put more light onto it. Well, you can also come to resolutions together. Um, I know Sebastian likes to just resolve things himself and then just move on. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I don't know what the resolution is. So can you let me in on like, how are we going to prevent this in the future? Mm. And so we'll give each other like little tasks, like I am embarrassed to say, but it's true. He's told me before, like, I just need you to be nicer. Are you mean? I don't even see you being mean. What do you mean? <laughs> yes, I can be. Um, would I disagree with something that he's doing? I do not keep it quiet. And people have criticized me for that before and said, like, well, you can't disagree with him in front of your children. But like, yeah, I'm going to disagree with him if I disagree with him. <laughs> So, um, and I guess sometimes the way that I disagree with him is not nice and polite. <laughs> so Oops. that's feedback that he's given me, but I've given him feedback too. And we, we were like, okay, yes, moving forward, we could do this. And that way there's some sort of like resolution or goal, however you want to think of it. And with your employees, same thing. Like, what do I need to see from you in the future? this this is your performance improvement plan or this is what we need to do moving forward mm. and even if even if the hard conversation is a breakup everybody does breakups differently so are we not going to talk anymore are we unfriending each other on social media like what are mm, what's yeah. the rules here what should we expect moving forward yeah are we blocking each other are we you know ideally that conversation gets it's so calm that you could talk about that. Um, maybe wear heart rate monitors if it gets really bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving great education to our listeners right now, guys. Except you know. that I called. I said the wrong researcher. Oh, and then I made an inappropriate joke about herpes. Just so everyone knows, I'm to I have no problem with herpes. I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm really I, killing I, it over here. I don't know if you could say, yeah. I was like, I don't know if you could say, I have no problem with herpes. I don't know if that line you is going to context. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, funny, remember? Like, can you imagine you talk to him? Oh, no, I have no problem with herpes. Like, excuse me? <laughs> I did write a blog on STDs that, that might be kind of controversial because I was saying, I personally don't think they're a big deal uh society seems to think they're a huge deal but we have like medications to treat pretty much everything at this point and we have ways to protect ourselves so what's the big deal that's but, true you know, that's what i meant by saying i have no problem with it <laughs> <laughs> is uh no herpes not curable right 
Uh, it's not curable, but it's very treatable. I mean, if you have oh. it really bad, you just take a pill every day and basically hardly ever have outbreaks. Wow, really? Yeah. I thought there was no, like, thing you could do except, like, creams or something. You know, like, put a cream or something on it. Oh, no, there's pills. Oh, yeah, I have no problems with herpes either. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, the pain. Like the pain, I couldn't imagine having a blister, right? Like, like I have a blister on the bottom of my foot and it's popped before and it's got infected. Like I, I've gotten it really bad. So I imagine that on like my labias. It can be really painful, but also plenty of people have it and they don't really feel any pain. They just have like irregular discharge or something like that that gives it away that they that there is something going on. So Really? Um, yeah. So that could be... Oh, that's fantastic. Right? I Yeah, I, I don't know any of this, but, you know, like, it just, you know, and also education, when you shed, you shed light on it, going back to explanation, when you shed light on things, things are way less scarier. Yes, I, I mean, I think that I sort of stumbled across education as a, a coping skill because I'm an anxious person. And one thing that anxiety likes is information. So if I have more information about something, I'm less likely to be anxious about it. So as a coping skill for me, I want to learn. I always want to learn. I want to learn more about everything. I want people to tell me what they're learning in school. I tell my clients like, oh, you're going back to school. Tell me everything you learn. Really? <laughs> yeah, I love to learn. I don't think there's, we'll never know everything. Um, but information is definitely uh a coping skill i like it but also what you know going back to yours uh you know knowledge is power but too much knowledge could make you anxious too no yes yes my mother is a perfect example of that because you know she was a icu nurse for years and if i say i have a headache she's like oh you could have meningitis i'm like what what mom mother you're freaking me out I think it's just a normal headache. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, too much information can be a problem sometimes too. Especially if you're not ready for that information. God, there yeah. is no like hard and fast rules in life, are is there? There's no, just... every time, yeah, every time we get together, we go, okay, let's do this, guys. It's like, well, sometimes you can do this. Sometimes you don't have that. It's like, geez, what? <laughs> It's a shit show, people. Just do what you can. Try to get yeah, there's through. There's a template. There, there's a bunch of ideas we can give people. We could be like, okay, yeah. hey, try to do this. Do their meditation. Do your journal. Do your da 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 do. And and everybody, you know, sees things differently. So sometimes people journal differently. You know, some people people buy like those preset guide guided oh, journals. Yeah. Those things. I don't really like that. I like more of a blank paper, and I just I just do it. So you can even journal differently. So there's not even one way of journaling. So yeah. just remember in life, there's no one way of living That's because true. some people could live like Oprah and do that. Some people live like, you know, um, like, I don't know, like Trump. I'm sure that he <laughs> could, but, or like you could live anyway and in your own mind say, this is the best life ever, ever. And me, I think I have like the best life ever, but I'm sure that somebody could look in and be like, you barely make any money or you barely da 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 or you don't even... You know what I mean? And you don't even work out. How can you, or whatever, just stuff like that, right? There's always somebody that's like, I wish I did it differently. I didn't do it differently. You know what I mean? So live the life that makes you happy, not that makes your parents happy, not that you could brag to your friends, not that you could compare yourself to Oprah, not, you know what I mean? There's just, just whatever that happy is to you, do that. I love it. And you're right. I mean, I tell my clients that too, like you have to take your own path. So if something that I'm saying doesn't feel right or you don't feel ready, then don't, I don't do it. Do what you think is best because you know yourself and your situation better than anyone. And sometimes we know maybe this thing isn't the best thing, but we're just not ready to not do that thing. So we're going to do it anyway. And we're just going to have to experience those consequences. And that's just how life goes sometimes. And also know that, just say, you, let's say you had a, a, in this hard conversation, you said, you know, 
a hundred different things, hundred different sentences. And 80% of the sentences probably would sound good and probably 20 of your sentences suck. You know, and on average, just the more you try, the more you explain, the more you say, um, it just, it's just, uh, what is it? Uh, um, uh, something of averages, you know, it's, it's, it's a numbers game. You know what yeah. I mean? So not, you're never going to have a hundred percent of your decisions right all the time. But if you just start, start having the averages be more right than wrong, then you're in the right direction. I think Serrano said something like that in the podcast. Oh uh, yeah. As far as like not belaboring decisions, like just make a decision because it might be right and it might not, but you'll learn from it. Yeah. Because it's right at the moment, right? And then you go, oh, I should have done that. Okay. And then, and then just keep going. And yeah. yeah. And I think that's why, uh, I don't know, the, the hard conversations or easy conversations, just conversations in general is so, super easy. Like I'm all about over communication. Yes. I love it. See, this is why we get along, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Hopefully we said something useful today. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.